0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and let's worship this morning.
1: up in this place here this morning. You got me here day.
0: person next to you say hello. trust in that this morning. We can trust that God is good all the time. You know, I don't know what your moment looks like or what your day or your week or your month or your year has been like. You know, maybe you've begun to even question that to a point. You know, God, if you're so good, why is this happening or why am I seeing this happen to someone I love or or why am I seeing this on my television screen? But the reality is, though we live in a fallen world, we get to have the choice to not put our faith and put our trust into the things that we see. We can put our hope and our faith and our trust in the God that's bigger than everything else. And we can put our faith and our trust in the fact that he is good, and he's good all the time. And so that's the place that we worship from this morning is that even in spite of our circumstances, even in spite of the things that we see, we worship a big, amazing, beautiful God. That is overall. And so as he leads us this morning, and as he speaks through our hearts, let's just be open to what it is that he wants to say, what it is that he wants us to do. Because maybe he's calling you to a deeper place this morning, a deeper place of faith, a deeper place of trust. And that's what this next song is all about, saying, you know what, God, Wherever you call me, whatever you ask me to do to step out in faith, I want to do that. So maybe just let that be your declaration here this morning. Put your faith and your trust in him and allow him to call you out upon the waters. i hey. We just want to rest here in these moments with you, God. God, we feel you here. Your word says you inhabit the praises of your people, God, and we just want to praise you. Father, draw near to us as we draw near to you, and I just pray, God, that you will speak to our hearts, Father, that have just been opened in these moments to just receive from you, God. God, for we've gathered here today not to, to do church, not to just come and go through the motions, God, but we've gathered here today because we want to hear straight from heaven. And so I just pray, God, that you will just use Pastor Buddy and the words that you've placed on his heart, God, to just speak into our lives, speak into our thoughts of ourselves and our situations and our circumstances, and God, help us to just see you in it all to respond as you lead us god now let your presence be felt all throughout this building god and god we pray for every single person god in our community lord that that just hasn't come to a place of relationship and surrender with you god god we pray father that you would use us as vessels that you would use this body of believers god to go out with passion and with fire father god to reach them lord God, call us out onto those waters to reach others. God, we're just believing for you to move here this morning, Father. We come expecting. expect it. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated.
2: Good morning. Wow, that was a nice time of worship. And See, what that song means is if you go out into the water, you're going to trust that uh, you're not going to drown. Uh, Remember the first week I talked about where the rubber meets the road? What that means is that we actually have faith is action. We actually step into it. And uh, we're going to take our tithes and offering in just a few moments. And that's one of the areas that many of you have actually uh, put the rubber down on the road. You said, I'm going to step out into the waters, and I'm going to trust that God is going to take care of me. So many people accepted that tithe challenge. And I'll tell you what, we believe in tithing around here. We will not apologize for that, because what that means is that when someone steps out into the waters in that way, they're going to grow, and they're going to mature spiritually. It's just, there's no way around it. You're going to grow and mature if you put God first in your finances and, in, and you tithe. And so we will continue, Buddy will tell you how many people took that tithe challenge. And it's really exciting because that always means, every time people do that, it always means that we can watch this place grow and mature spiritually. So it's always a very, very exciting thing. So we're going to take our tithes and offering at the very next uh, song. If you haven't... Uh, if you're not a tither or if you don't haven't discovered the joy of giving, talk to one of us. And Buddy will tell you a little bit more about that a little later. But uh, it really is about the joy of the Lord and giving to him. This is a good time for you to check in on Facebook. That will tell your friends that 11 o'clock is still coming up. And they can come and be part of uh, Salem Fields Community Church and worshiping here. Uh, together, I know it's cold, but you guys are the brave ones. There are a lot of people watching online, and uh, that's a good thing, too. But it's always good to just kind of not let the elements keep you from worshiping and coming together as a body, and that's what you've done. So go ahead and check in on, on uh, Facebook. We would appreciate that. Also, uh, 401. Remember what 401 is? How many people have your phone set? All right. So uh, we were at staff retreat this week, and at 4.01, it was pretty awesome to hear all of those ringtones go off. And uh, we said, well, right in the middle of whatever we were doing, we stopped and we prayed for Easter. 4.01, we're asking everyone to set your alarms on your phones for 4.01 because Easter is happening April 1st. And uh, as we can begin to pray that God would just draw people to his word and to him and to his message, uh, we're going to do that crosswalk again on on uh, Friday evening. We'll have a, a special service on Thursday evening, but on the weekend, it's all about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we want people to be drawn uh, right now as we pray, as you stop at 401 and all of us do that wherever we are, you know, mine goes off sometimes and it's not appropriate like I can't close my eyes in my car when I'm driving or, you know, okay, I'll try that next time, Bobby. Okay. All right. (laughs) So that's, that's enough of that, but it's really, it seems pretty simple, but it's a really, really awesome thing. Night to Shine is coming up this week. It's going to be exciting, isn't it? We can't wait. And, uh, this has been in preparation for a long, long time, and I'm so excited about what's going to happen here. And, uh, If you are a volunteer and you haven't been to one of the mandatory orientation meetings, there's one tomorrow evening, Monday evening, uh, from seven to eight, is it? Yes, and uh, it's really, really important that you are at that meeting. So if you volunteered uh, for Night to Shine, be a part of that. This week, while we were at staff retreat, Tim Tebow uh, did a conference call for all of the churches that are doing Night to Shine. And so we were out at the lake house, Mark Batterson's lake house, and Tim Tebow came on, and he is adorable. You know that, right? He is adorable. And uh, he spoke to all of the churches. What was that, Bobby? Uh, Yeah, Bobby has a man crush on him. And that's okay. (laughs) So, Bobby's kind of my guy here this morning. So, uh, that meeting is... (laughs) Bobby's been my guy for a long time. (laughs) I have a man crush on you, bud. That's how that works. We've got a simulcast coming up. It's called Work as Worship. And as I was watching this last night, I saw that I have a friend that's going to be one of the speakers, Ann Byler. She's the one that did Auntie Ann's pretzels. Have you ever eaten one of her pretzels? Well, she's a friend of mine, and I've got a relationship with her. She's a good friend of my brother's. And uh, she's going to be one of the speakers. But this simulcast is going to be really interesting. It's all about, you know what, we don't just go to work and then we come to church and worship. Work can be part of our worship, and uh, it's going to be a great simulcast. We ask that you uh, get all the information on that. It's the 23rd. It's from, I guess, 8 in the morning until whatever, but it's a Friday. And mark that on your calendar and try to be part of that. I think that uh, you'll really enjoy that. Also, Propel is coming up. This is an opportunity for women to get together. Christine Kane and other leaders uh, in, in uh, the world of faith are... Uh, Part of this and Salem Fields what ladies get together, uh, Rich described it last night as like a very, very large small group uh, there 's a time where uh, there 's some teaching and then break up in small groups, and it 's really, really a great time. so ladies, if you would uh, mark your calendar for that, we would appreciate that so let 's take our tithes and offering, and that 's an act of worship, just like anything else that we do, and then we 'll continue with this service.
3: Well, good morning. Welcome today. We're glad you're here. You're the brave souls because, you know, it's a little rain outside, a little cold. You guys just came to church anyway. We're glad you're here. Go Eagles. That was for you, Mike. <laughs> I wouldn't have said a thing if I wouldn't have saw that ugly jersey you have on out there. <laughs> anyway, we're glad you're here today. You know, people, I. well, good morning, y'all. Good to see you. I I love you. You know that, right? I I wasn't really just saying good morning. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I lost my thought on that one. Uh,
2: Anyway, you
3: know, there's more money spent for Super Bowl food, I think I read the other day, or heard, than there is for Thanksgiving. Now, that's a lot of food when you think about it, to watch two teams like the Patriots and the Eagles. I have never cheered for the Eagles in my life, but I hate the Patriots so much. (laughs) I got I got to do it. Anyway, have fun tonight. We're going to Jody and Jason's, and we're going to have a little Super Bowl party there, and uh, that'll be good. We're going to eat. That's basically what we're going to (laughs) do. But, you know, I was reading a story this week. uh, I was out uh, at—we had uh, our staff retreat this week, and I I had—it was my turn to do the message, and so it's never fun to do the message on staff retreat, And uh, but anyway— we, uh we're blessed as a staff. Uh, we met Mark Batterson a few years ago, and we turned him on to the joys of Lake Anna, and he eventually wrote a book called um, Circle Maker. It hit the New York Times, the number one seller on the New York Times, and he made a lot of money, and he bought a house at Lake Anna. And it's a big old house. And, um, and uh, so he called us up, and he said, Hey, anytime you want to use our house, uh, for your church or your staff, he said we'd love for you to do it and so he's been kind and we've been out there for the last five years. But I gotta tell you something, we're in a serious drought. His house was a lakefront house and now it's a grassfront house. Uh, the lake has gone, I mean it must have been 250 yards. There's no water uh, in front of his house and there sets his boats and his uh, you know jet skis and all that and uh anyway so, uh, retreat's not a good week to have to do the message, but God helps out, and that was good. Anyway, two Kentucky horse racing stable owners over the years had um, developed a bitter rivalry. I mean, they were arch enemies on the uh, horse track, and each spring, they both entered a horse in the local steeplechase, and one of them thought uh, that having a professional rider might give his horse an edge in the race, and so... Uh, he hired a hotshot jockey, and, uh, and on the day the race finally came, and as usual, the two horses were leading the uh, race right down to the last fence. But the final, that final fence was too much for both horses, and both of them fell, and both riders were thrown off the horses. But that didn't stop the hotshot jockey. Uh, he remounted quickly, and easily he won the race. <laughs> When he got back to the stable, he found the horse owner was mad as a hornet. And he he couldn't understand why the guy was so mad because he had won the race. And so the jockey said to the owner, he said, what in the world is the matter with you? I won the race. And the the owner, I mean, he was red-faced and just mad. And he said, oh, yes, you won the race, but you won it on the wrong horse. You see, that jockey had the best intentions. He intended to win the race. But he became just so distracted from his mission, and he made a bad decision. And ultimately, he failed in what he was trying to do. But you know, we do too, because everybody fails. In fact, the the Bible says there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. People fail. You fail, I fail. People fail in school. People fail at, at work or at business, and people fail in marriage, and they fail at parenting, and they fail in their careers, and people fail spiritually. They fall spiritually. You see, everybody fails. And today, we're continuing our series, Fixer Upper, which is inspired, as we said earlier, from the TV hit TV show, Fixer Upper. As we look back over our time in the last three weeks, in week one, Gay taught us how to establish a foundation in God, you know, having a firm foundation in God, so that when God wants to do that painful work in our life, that transformation that God wants to do in all of our lives and wants to continue doing all of our lives until we see Him, that, that we can handle the pain of that demolition, demolition because we've got a firm foundation in God, and, and we, when we that uh, that we can be present at the great reveal, being all that God wants us to be, last week, I talked about the importance of getting out of debt and and I gave you a seven step plan to be financially free. Do you know you can go on your app, if you've never downloaded your app or you can go on the website, and if you miss a week, you can go on there and the, and the, all the messages uh, are on uh, the web or on the uh, app, and you can uh, watch them again but you know, I talked about a seven, uh, 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 seven steps uh, to financial freedom. And one step was tithing, and uh, 28 people, uh, 29, somebody took it last night, 29 people took the 90-day tithe challenge in an effort to honor God. You know, that that is huge. I don't know how, um, how you see that, but it's not about the tithing it's about the fact that 29 people at Salem Fields Community Church took a step of faith. They said, I want to honor God. I want to put God first place in my life because God usually, when we say we, uh, God is first place in our life, God has every area of our life, and the, and the part that we usually hold out on is finances. But 29 people last week said, you know what, I'm going to honor God, I'm going to show God that he is first place in my life, that I'm sold out to him, and 29 people took the tithe challenge, and I think that's pretty awesome, and it goes way beyond finances, praise the Lord for that. Now, if you want to take the tithe challenge, we have the cards still in your program, there's pins in the back, and at the end of the service, there'll be bucket back there too, that you can put it in, or put it in one of the giving slots, and uh, what that means is, that we're going to pray for you, and, uh, and we're going to hold you, uh, uh, and we're going to send you some emails just kind of encouraging things to encourage you along the way. Uh, but we want to be actively involved in your challenge as you walk this journey out to honor God. And so we are excited about that. But this week we're going to talk about how to press on, how to get back up when we've experienced failure in our lives. Now, this message was inspired as I was reading an article uh, Christianity Today by Rick Warren, and it inspired me and helped me to put my thoughts together uh, last week. But Webster defines failure as falling short of success, of achievement, and something expected, attempted, desired, or approved. So chances are, most likely, every person in this room has experienced a failure. I mean, I, you know, I'm not just talking about a minor failure, I'm talking about most of us have experienced a major failure in our life. And I think it'd be a cool service if we just line up at the mic and all of us talk about our failure. <laughs> I mean, really, I you know, wouldn't do that, but I, I really think that there could be a lot of encouragement in that because, you know, sometimes we look at each other, and I'm way off track, we look at each other and think, man, I wish I had my act together like they have their act together. I got to tell you, most of, us that have, most of us that appear to have our act together have failed many, many times in our journey. No, none of us have our act together. It's only by the grace of God that we got it together at all and that he loves us. And so, uh, uh, you know, even Joanna, Chip and Joanna, failed. Watch this. Oh, man. Tell
4: me what's going on.
5: I don't know if you're in my life you really need something to support that.
4: Right where you're standing, I'm doing a really large island. So when I have an island, I have to put posts in the island. In the that's not cute. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> but this is the main place of weight. So I yeah. have to just put my post right there. This is like the yeah. center yeah. of the house. Yeah. Of course, that's right where my island goes in the center of the house. You know, I, I kind of had a little freak-out moment because I didn't want this to look like this hodgepodge kitchen renovation where we just tore down walls. To me, it's a disaster.
3: You know, when we fail, it's like a freak-out moment. I mean, we just kind of start freaking out, and we say, oh, no, my life is a disaster. And, 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 and so um, we, we kind of panic. And what I want to talk to you today, first of all, I want to talk to you about giving you five reasons why we fail in life, from the book of Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs, I've been reading a chapter each morning in the book of Proverbs, and I'm telling you, it can inspire your life, it can challenge your life, and, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a worthwhile kind of book to be in. So it's five reasons we fail from the book of Proverbs, five things that cause failure in our life. The first one is when we fail when we don't plan ahead, when we don't plan. You see, it's, the old, uh, it's like the old saying, if you fail to plan, you're planning to. That's an old saying, so we must be old. <laughs> if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Proverbs says, a sensible man uh, watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. But the simple-minded man never looks and suffers the consequences. And so the question is, when we don't plan ahead, then does that mean that we are simple-minded? According to the Bible, that's what it means. Many times, uh, we fail when we do things uh, impulsively. You know, we we get this big idea and we just launch into it without giving any thought or making any plan to do it. You know, the Bible says sensible people plan ahead. You know, I was just seeing Josh there on the front row. He did so. We had some flood damage a, in our house a few years ago. Uh, our hot water heater turned our basement into a sauna, and, uh, and and old Josh came in. I mean, he made a plan. And he followed that plan, and he was, it was a successful project, and, uh, and we really appreciated that. But, you know, he, you know for me, I, I may have just jumped in and said, oh, no, i got to get some drywall in here, you, gotta, you know, and it had been a mess. But the Bible says that sensible people plan ahead. And when we do something without a plan, many times that's why we suffer the consequences of failure. Proverbs says 16.9 says we ought to make our plans counting on God to direct us. And one big reason we fail is we don't have a plan. Jesus even said, in Luke chapter 14, he said, but don't begin until you count the cost. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't get started without making a plan. You know, he's talking of counting the cost, but for who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? So Jesus advocates a plan. In other words, uh, we fail because we don't plan. We fail when we think we've arrived. Proverbs 18, 18 says, pride leads to destruction and arrogance to a downfall. Now, pride will cause us to fail. And one of the symptoms of pride is, is we think, I don't need any advice. You know, we think, I know it all. I mean, I got, my, I got it all together, and I don't need anybody's help. I don't need my spouse. I don't need anybody to help me because I know it all. You know, we kind of think like uh, Jesus and me, we've got a good thing going on. And so I don't need anybody else. Rick Warren says, you're never going to get anywhere if you think you are already there. And so, (laughs) it's good, isn't it? We fail when we think we've arrived. We fail when we are afraid to try. Proverbs says that fear of man is a dangerous trap. But to trust in God means safety. Jay used this verse in her her message a couple weeks ago. Talked about a snare and how a a, a trap, a snare, will grab hold of you. It won't won't kill you, but it'll certainly mane you. You know, it'll put you out of commission. And the greatest failure in life is a failure to try. Wouldn't it be great if people said, uh, uh, said about you, she died trying? At least she tried. You see, trying is what brings success in life. Have you ever heard it said that uh, the fruit is out on the limb at the end of the limb? You ever heard that saying that the good fruit is out on the end of the limb? If that's true, don't be afraid to go out on the limb because that's where the good stuff's at. That's where we can, that's where we find the best in life. Trying brings success. And if we don't try, then we fail. We also fail because we give up too soon. We give up too soon. A lot of people stop trying when the going gets trying. You know, we just we stop trying because it's gotten difficult. It's gotten trying, and so we just give up, and we stop trying. And, and failure is the path of least persistence. So keep on going. Never give up. You know, Proverbs says a lazy fellow has trouble all through life. You know, if first you don't succeed, then I would say you're normal. You know, but if we don't try, if we don't, uh, if we don't step out on the end of the limb and try something, and, and then if we give up too soon, you know, a lot of times success is right around the corner. One more day, one more month, one more year, if we just hung in there, then things would have gotten better. Our marriage would have gotten better. Our finances may have gotten better. Our career may have gotten better. Whatever it is, if we just held out. But in America, we're soft and we give up too soon, we stop trying. And I would say to you, try again. Many times we quit too soon and we discover that, as I said, success is right around the corner. You're never a failure until you quit. We fail when we don't listen to God. Now, that's the number one reason we fail, I believe, is we don't listen to God. We just launch out on our own. We don't even stop to pray. We just say, you know, I got this. And we don't listen to God. You know, Proverbs 14:12 12 says, there, there's a way that seems right to man, But in the end, it leads to death. And in the end, that means it leads to failure because, you know, there's a way that seems right. And, and, you know, has there ever been a time in your life when you went your way instead of God's way? And you look back and say, oh, my gosh, my life's a mess because I did it my way and not God's way. You know, as I said last week, the Bible is filled with uh, principles on, on dealing with money. But I'll tell you the truth, the Bible is also filled with guidelines and principles to make our life a success in the eyes of God. You know, I I think many of us have failed because we look at what the world says. This is how you succeed. How, how How the media wants to tell us, if you do these things, you will succeed. And I'm saying to you, you can succeed in the world's eyes and fail miserably in God's eyes. And we fail when we fail to listen to God. When we fail to obey his word, when we think, well, you know what? I know what God's word says, but you know, we love each other. So we're just going to do what we want to do in our relationship. And then our lives end up messed up, our children end up messed up, and things begin messed up in our life. And the first person we want to blame is God, but we didn't even listen to God. We did it our way because we think that we know what's best. You know, but most of the time we go by our feelings instead of by the facts of God's word. We trust our feelings more than what we trust the Bible. I feel this way, so it might be, it must be the right way because I feel this way. And, and you know, the Bible says even our hearts will deceive us. I feel this way, so I'll do the right thing even if the Bible says something different. You know, I found because that I'm a feeler, I'm a major feeler. Oh, I feel something; it must be right. You know, and because I'm a feeler, that God's word is usually the exact opposite of my feelings. God's word is usually the opposite of our natural inclinations of our feelings. You see, the Bible is the opposite of our feelings. God says that it's better to give than to receive. Wow, it feels better, though, to receive. You know, uh, the Bible says the way up is down. That it's better to serve than to be served, and the last they'll be first. And each one of these principles goes against our natural inclinations. And when we don't listen to God and we go our way, we fail. Regardless of the cause, we all fail. What matters most is what you do when you fail. Five reasons. John Maxwell says the difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. And we'll do that one more time. The difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. The Bible not only tells us how we fail, it also shows us how to get back up when we messed up. It tells us how to get a new start, to get a fresh start in life. So I'll talk to you about that for a moment. The first thing we do when we fail is accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. Proverbs 28, 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But he who confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. You see, when we refuse to admit our mistakes, what we're doing is we're wasting the lessons that can be learned in our failures. You know, our failures can be our greatest teacher. We can learn, I believe, more from our failures than we can from our successes. Bless you. So be honest with yourself, and be honest with others. I don't know about you, but most of my life I've been an expert at ex an expert. gay's license plate. She used to be expert. Expert at blaming others. I mean, I was the best of the best at blaming others. Something went wrong. Was well, not my fault. And that is until I discovered what was happening in my heart when I failed. You see, blaming others is part of our sin nature. And when you realize that blaming others is a sin, you're more likely to admit it. As humans, we are masters at blaming. I mean, I was, and I talked to many, many people at Salem Village Community Church uh, that the first thing they say is, Well, wasn't my fault. My spouse, my children, my job, my boss. You know, we're, we're masters at blaming. We blame the economy. Well, you know, the economy's bad, so I failed. We blame the weather. I, I, I mean, honestly, there's people who didn't come to church today because they said, oh, the weather's too bad. I mean, the weather forecast says weather advisory. <laughs> well, it was a good morning to stay home. Sure, sleep in, get the fire going. Or, you know, the other side of it is people say, man, it's a beautiful day. Man, it's too beautiful to go to church and be sitting in there listening to him. yak yak. <laughs> you know, I can't do that because of weather. We blame our parents. My parents treat me bad. We blame our spouse. We blame our kids. We blame our genes. We blame the government. But the Bible says if you fail, if you screw up, the Bible says admit it. If I ever write a Bible, I'm going to put that word in there. Uh, For some reason, we feel like we need to be perfect, don't we? I mean, we hide it because we want people to look at us and say, man, they got a perfect life. And, And we are not perfect. And believe it or not, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us because he knew we needed a Savior. He knew we needed grace. He knew that there were going to be times in our life that we were going to mess up and we were going to need a new start. And we're going to do a mulligan, but let me tell you something. There is no new start. There is no mulligan. There is no do-over if there is no admission of wrong. If we say, well, it's not my fault. But the Bible says, admit it. For some reason, we feel like we need to be perfect. And, and, And I'm not perfect, and you know that, and neither are you. The next thing we need to do is repent. When we fail, we need to stop denying it. We need to admit it. We need to quit blaming, and then we need to repent it. See, the Greek word for repent means to change your mind, to look look at it a different way, to change your direction, to change for your heart. The problem for many of us is that we connect our failures to the person we are. You know, I, I, I did that all my life. I just recently discovered. You know, we think I failed so much, I, I, that we think when I fail, that I must be a failure. So we connect our failure to who we are. And here's a great truth. I want you to write this down. I don't even know who said it. I don't even know where I found it. I just know I had it in my notes. And and, and we write, write this down because you're going to need it. I'm going to need it because we fail many times in our life. And, and here's the truth, and this would be a good one to put on Facebook for your friends. Not because I said it, because it's good. Because we all fail. And when we fail, we say, well, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I mean, I must be the dumbest human being I ever put a pair of shoes on. That's why we don't like to admit it, because when we admit it, we're saying to our, we're, we think we're saying to others that we're losers, that we're failures, and that we, we just are no good. And here's a quote, and I'm not taking credit for it. I'm just telling you, it's a great quote. It says, failure is an event, never a person. Failure is an event, never a person. One more time. Failure is an event, never a person. Now I want you to repeat it after me, okay? Failure is an event, never a person. And we won't repent. And we won't admit it and we won't repent because it's so attached. We have a failure so attached to who we think we are. I mean, I grew up thinking I was a failure. And when I failed, it just proved that I was a failure. So we need to stop whining, oh, I'm such a loser. I'm such a failure. I can never win. We need to stop whining and start repenting. 2 Corinthians says the sadness that is used by God brings a change of heart that leads to salvation, and there's no regret in that. But worldly sadness causes death. Now, in this chapter, in this verse, Paul talks about two kinds of sadness. First of all, he says godly sadness and worldly sadness. Godly sadness or sorrow motivates us to change. Have you ever just had that sense when you failed and you messed up big time and I mean, and your heart is broken? I mean, it's just broken. Not because of how you feel about you, but because you know that you've disappointed not only yourself, but you've disappointed God. I mean, there's no greater sorrow in my life when I know I've let God down. He knows I will, but it still breaks, breaks my heart. And that godly sorrow, God can use that to transform our hearts. It it motivates you to do something. It motivates you to to change. Worldly sorrow is depressing. It's discouraging. It's demoralizing. And the Bible says it causes death. You know, self-pity is one of the most harmful emotions in our life. It will destroy us. It will destroy others. And the others, I mean the people closest to us, the people we love. Rick Warren says you never learn anything at a pity party. Almost every success in life is built on a failure. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times over the years when God has used Salem Fields the most, it was built and learned, the lesson was learned because of a failure. And we built on that failure and learned from it. Look at some of the great characters in the Bible that failed because, uh, but became a success in God's eyes. We all know Moses, who killed a man. If you didn't know that, he killed a man. He was a fugitive, and he hid out from justice before leading the nation of Israel out uh, out of out of slavery in Egypt. God's people, a murderer a fugitive, and God used him to lead the people, his people, out of captivity into freedom. I mean, God used Moses' big toe to touch the water that parted the Red Sea. And they walked through on dry land. David, the great king of Israel, the same king, the same God, who God says, who the Bible says, this is a man after my own heart. And he was an adulterer. He was an adulterer. He came out one day and it was bath day. And Bathsheba was over on the roof and she was taking a bath. And he looked at her and he said, Woo wee, I gotta have her. And as a king, he could have whatever he want And he sent his servants to bring her. He slept with her. She got pregnant. And then he killed her husband. And God, in the end, says, This is a man after my own heart. Why? Because Nathan came to him and said, You are the man that sinned, and Nathan said, you are right, and he repented, he admitted it, and he repented, and God used him. God, man, if you're God, so Peter, Peter publicly denied that he knew Jesus. I mean, it was the same God that said, if all everybody else here forsakes me, you can count on me, God. You can count on me, Jesus. And Jesus says, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And sure enough, by the campfire, a little teenage girl saying, you're the man that was with him. Not me. Yes, you were, not me. Oh, yeah, you were, not me. See, failure to admit. But yet, God still used him as a great leader in the early church. And he led thousands upon thousands of people to Christ. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, was once Saul, the great persecutor of the church. He was persecuting and killing Christians for their belief. And yet he went on to write the majority of the New Testament. Tamar, who was, a, who was faced with the fear of being childless and destitute, and, and she coerced her father-in-law, Judah, to have sex with her out of her fear, and she bore twin sons. And her actions, they were unethical, and and she almost lost her life for it. But one of the sons was the ancestor of King David, a a direct lineage to Christ. Just look at the lineage of Jesus Christ and see the failures that God turned into successes. And he wants to do that in our life. I'm convinced that some things are only learned through failure. To get a fresh start, we need to learn to fail forward. (coughs) In Philippians 3, Paul says, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I believe that Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture. He's not saying, okay, just act like it never happened. You know, that's what we like to do. Well, Paul said, forget the past. But what I believe Paul is saying here is deal with your past. Deal with it. Accept responsibility and repent and make things right the best you can and then get up and press on, focus on the future. In other words, don't fail backwards, but fail forward. It doesn't matter what your failure is in life. You're not washed up. You're not uh, not, uh, wasted uh, material. You're not wasted unless you choose to quit unless you choose to give up, unless you choose to allow your failure to keep you down, unless you want to reject the grace of God in your life. Proverbs 24:16 says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. I love this quote by De- uh, Dennis uh, Waitley. He said, Failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. Isn't that good? Got somebody talking back to me this morning. I'm probably going to preach the rest of the day. All right. <laughs> Failure is a delay, not a defeat. It's a temporary detour, not a dead end. Failure is something we can avoid only by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. What a great quote. You see, God is a God of second chances. God is a God of fresh starts. And if you're alive, I tell you what right now, no matter what your greatest failure in life, if you're sitting here today or you're watching online, I'm saying to you, if you're alive and you're breathing and you're on this side of the grass, God isn't finished with your life. And if you'll just totally commit yourself to him and say, God, yes, I screwed up, I messed up, and I am sorry, and I am going to fail forward. God, here I am, use me. God will use you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Even when you experience failure. Instead, allow God to use your failure to move you forward. Look at Chip and Joanna Gaines did with that beam.
4: So, when I have an island, I have to put posts in the island? That's That's not cute. (laughs) I don't want to do that. To me, it's a disaster. Hey, Chip, come here real quick. What's up? Um, okay, I need your help. He said, I've got to do two posts there in the island. Well, I mean, the only other option is to replace the wood with metal,
0: but you would Where run- Where do you
4: tie the metal into?
0: You, it, these exterior walls. And the I-beam instead of the land beam runs the distance and spans all this weight. It would solve your problem. There would be no need for a post.
4: Okay, that's all a good right. idea, I'll Chip, I like that. I'll call figure it out. Welcome to your home. Oh, my goodness. What do y'all think?
3: See, they failed to take into consideration that that uh, roof or that ceiling needed support. But they failed forward. And they took the time to devise another plan, and it turned out beautiful. It turned out they failed forward. The last one, trust God, trust God. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. In other words, God works all things things together for our good if we love him. You know, we want to blame God. We want to say, oh God. You could have stopped that. Oh, God, why did you do this in my life? And God never promised us a bed of roses, but God did promise us when we got in over our head, when we failed, when we messed up, and when things don't go well in our life, he says, I promise you that if you'll love me, if you'll hold on, if you'll admit it, if you will uh, confess it, and you'll fail forward, I got to tell you, if you'll hold on, I'll take that mess in your life and I'll make something good out of it. Because you know what? Stuff happens in life. And God says, uh, that, when that stuff happens, if you'll hold on, I'll make something good out of it. You see, he's making something beautiful out of our lives. This week, our staff went to wine and design, but without the wine, okay, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> we, uh, we suffered through it, no wine. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not a drinking kind of guy, but I can tell you this, uh, a little wine would have been helpful. <laughs> 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 That's a rough business. People are saying, Boy, your Facebook page looked miserable. I was miserable. <laughs> I mean, I was worn out. Three hours and 15 minutes going, trying to get in the lines. Not the lines, you didn't even have lines. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when we arrived, all of us had a canvas with a pattern drawn on. Like, we just had this outline of this barn and then the straight line where we're going to paint a tree on. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be good, because I, I can't even paint my numbers. And we had a plate of different colors and an assortment of brushes. Now, as we got into painting, we had this person, that an artist, that kind of instructed us and told us how to mix our paint and all that. And as we painted our canvas, we all made mistakes. I mean, at one time, I looked in my sky, and I had a big old streak of brown in it. I don't even know how it got there. <laughs> and the lady said, hey, you can, you can correct that mistake. And take this color, and it did. It fixed that color, and, or fixed that mistake. And we all messed up, except maybe Colin. He's like <laughs> He's over there holding the plate like <laughs> whoever. <laughs> but we all messed up. But in the end, in the end, each of them, although different, some were more beautiful and creative than others. But nevertheless, they were all beautiful in their own way. Why? Because none of us gave up. I mean, we all finished. We did our best to fix our messes, and we all finished the race that was marked out for us. We took that pattern, and it turned out okay. The same is true with life. We have all have a pattern given to us by God. And sometimes, from our point of view, like my painting, our life looks like a jumbled, messed-up mess. And we look at our lives and think, how can anything good come out of this? You know, and it, it, it will, something good will come out of it if we don't give up. If we trust God, he will make something beautiful out of our lives. God has a way of overriding our mistakes. God has a way of mixing colors together and fixing those big old mess-ups in our life, he works them all out and makes something beautiful out of our lives. You see, God wants to take your greatest failure, and you know what it is right now. And some of you are still living in that great failure. You're still saying to yourself, I am a failure, I am worthless, God can never use me, and I gotta tell you, that is a lie straight out of hell. Because the devil wants you to believe that. But I'm telling you right now, all things work together for good. And God can take something that's messy and make something beautiful out of our lives. And God wants to take your greatest failure, that area of failure that you want to hide, and you don't want anybody to know, and you want to keep it secret. And he wants to turn it into your greatest strength in your life. You know, after I finished my painting, I mean, I I was... Oh, I thought, look at this mess. I mean, I was doing really good until you had to paint the tree. Paint a tree. Put, I mean, put the branches on a pine tree. I mean, I can't put decorations on a Christmas tree. I mean, I wanted to hide it from everyone. You see, the artist told us to paint our tree, tall tree by painting triangles for the branches. And Well, I made triangles all right. But I messed them up, and I made them upside down, and my tree was a mess, and I tried to hide it with the snow. Here it is, right there. (laughs) Now, have you ever seen a more horrible tree in your life? Man, I was putting the snow to that baby. (laughs) I had to get extra white to get enough snow on that thing. Even gay couldn't fix it. If gay couldn't fix it, it was a mess. But I wanted to hide it. But God used my mess this weekend to make a life illustration out of it for this message. And he wants to make a message out of your messed up life. God can use our failures to help others more than he can use our success to help others. And he he wants to take that mess that you made out of your life. And folks, he wants to make something beautiful out of your life. Don't give up. Don't quit. Admit it, confess it, repent, fail forward and trust God that even though you messed up, God, you're not messed up and God will straighten up our mess. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you, Lord, that you will take our failures and make them new again. Make our lives beautiful, Lord, that you will take the dust and make something beautiful out of our lives. And, Father, I pray for all of us here this morning that have experienced that great failure in our life or failures in our life. And, God, you want to use us, and you have a great plan for our lives. Help us to be brave enough. Help us to, to trust you enough, God, that if we confess and admit and repent, and, God, if we, if we turn our failures into success, God, that you, Lord, will just make all things beautiful again. You will take our messed up lives and make something beautiful out of it. I pray for every person in this room, those on watching online today, those in the, auditor, in the cafe and other places today, God. Lord, I just pray today that you will help us to trust you and commit to you today. Our greatest mistakes, those things we've been hiding, it's been driving our life and our relationships, God. Help us to be brave enough today to step out in faith, to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together. If you want to come and pray this morning, it's a great place to pray. You don't have to, but if you just felt led to come and pray, you know, you can come here and pray anytime during service, especially now if you want to come and pray as we worship together do that. God bless you.
0: nothing that's too broken father there's nothing that's too far gone god for you to take for you to breathe on and make brand new lord to make something beautiful out of it And so god we surrender those things to you here this morning father And we just pray that we will not just hear this word father but that we will respond god and allow you to do the work within us father and to respond and do the work that you're calling us to do ourselves as well we love you And we praise you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. We love you all. We'll see you right back here next week, and God bless you all.